I've just been really humbled, convicted, Lord's dealing with my heart, my paradigm. And I just want to share, yes, I want to share about it. I want to share something that is really growing in me um, and also growing in us. You know, this is an us teaching. It's not an individual teaching. It's a corporate teaching. And um, it's been three or four weeks. I've been in these materials just studying these passages. I finally broke into the parallel NASB Amplified, broke it open. Soon it will look like Christie's Passion Translation. And um, so just, you're, you're going to hear a lot of scriptures today that you've already heard. Every Wednesday night you've heard a lot of this. But I think it's important to kind of put some of these pieces together so that we can be of the same mind as a spiritual family. That's important, Right? So as we're growing in corporate thinking, at times we're just going to tie it together so that Wednesdays are kind of getting cemented and dried into our hearts, right, like a foundation. So I've just been, th- this is, this primary passage I want to use, it's, it's something that, man, for years and years and years has been just core in my prayer life and even looking at the passage, and it, I feel like this passage is such holy ground that I've never even taught on this passage because whenever I'm stirred about it, I'm like, how could I even begin to venture into this passage? That's how I feel about this passage that, I, that we're going to talk about today. And it's, it's a passage that quite literally we've been over 2,000 years, and it's like the church has just kind of scratched the surface of this passage. It's, it's that serious, and it, it's that uh, grand and, and just amazing and requires, you know, such assistance from God to even talk about it and think this way, and, and then to transition from growing in our our mindset about this into a way of life together that actually expresses this passage. I mean, it's just, it's, it's his eternal purpose. It, it, you just, you say the words and it, I feel so weak that it feels like it just hits the ground. Like you're going to talk about the eternal purpose of God. Well, we have to, we've got to start somewhere with this thing. In, in truth be told, if we're in the times Jesus spoke of where he is maturing his church globally, then this issue, we aren't going to scratch the surface of this issue much longer. We're going to get it. It's going to click. We're going to grasp this profound purpose of God in his church that Jesus is currently constructing and building all across the planet and bringing it to maturity so that it does, and the it is we, so that we do what we were always meant to do from Acts chapter 2, when the church was born, the eternal purpose of God. Profound. So we'll turn to Ephesians 3, and I know we went over on worship, so how much time do I have? 
And I don't want to rush this either. If I have to finish this another week, fine. Okay. Give me, just give me a pen. I know that you're saying grace is good. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, so we'll break it up. Whenever the Lord permits, we'll finish it up. Yeah. So, again, track with me. This is just going to be just line upon line. We're going to walk through some of this. And again, we've heard a lot of it. So let's let's go a little little deeper. So Ephesians three. Pastor Tom and Wes have mentioned this. We're reading this Wednesday nights. We're going to see it more and more on Wednesday nights. So Ephesians chapter three, verse nine and ten. We're going to read it again for the millionth time and a million more times. Paul's ministry as an apostle was to bring to light the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created everything. In other words, to bring to light something that God had hidden in his own heart and something that was in his heart. This is the reason God created all things was for this purpose. That's profound. And that we are at the cent- we are the center of this purpose for which he created all things, right? Profound. Verse 10, he's going to bring it to light so that it happens, so that God's manifold wisdom, God's plan, might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Absolutely mind-blowing. So spiritual-mindedness, corporate-mindedness, if we read Ephesians, is really the center of the letter, right? Corporate thinking, the church, the broad reality of the many members that have been made one. So we're going to dig into this some. If I were to title this message, it would be called The Church, Corporate, and Cosmic. Those are fancy words, but let's look at them. So we are corporate, right? We're many, but we're one. We're a corporate, spiritual, and natural entity. Corporate means a company of people authorized to act as a single entity and be recognized as such. Isn't that sweet? Come on, there's authority in that. A company of people authorized by who? Right? All authority is mine in heaven and on earth, and therefore go. Right? He's authorized us to act as a single entity, to act, to function, to have our being in the world as a single entity. And be recognized as such, not just on earth, but Paul's telling us in Ephesians 3, in heaven, in the heavenly realms, against the rebelled forces of darkness that have rebelled against God. We are displaying something to them. We are authorized to act as his body, his many-membered body, and display his wisdom to the lost and dying world, and to the rebelled 
power over our land, over our region. Do we think that way? Probably not enough. I know I don't. But we need to think this way. I love this morning, as Wes was saying about this morning, this is a picture of this, right? We're a spirit-filled church, and we give, we give all authority to the Holy Spirit, right? The Lord is the Spirit, and where he is, there's liberty. We give him all authority in our midst to lead and guide us because we're all saying yes to this. We're saying we believe this. This is his purpose. This is how we will see harvest. God is going to utilize the church. We are a corporate entity together as one, right? We're, an air, we're, the, we're the arrow in his quiver. And God is using his instruments, us, to address things, spiritually speaking and naturally speaking. So the church is corporate. The church is also cosmic. And so here's what cosmic means. Relating to the cosmos or the extraterrestrial vastness, the universe in cosmic wisdom. Profound. Think about that. You know, there's, there's a mindset where we could live our life and say, um, well, I go to the, to the crossing. That's where I go to church. I know the Roberts family, and we go to church together. And I get it. We all say that. But truth be told, right, we are a church together. Yes, we go to church together, but we are an entity. We're a local church spirit entity authorized to act together as a spiritual family, spiritual community to express spiritual things to both men and angels profound it's this real and i and i think if you just backtrack however long you've been here and you think about our sunday mornings you already see what what i'm talking about here we're functioning in this way it's it's amazing to see what god is doing what god can do and is doing with just a few at the outset right there's a dynamic that we experience together on sunday mornings that is written right here and it's absolutely awe-inspiring to see it happening and unfolding and that we are all participants in this. Everyone with me? Am I boring you? Hope not. So the church is corporate and cosmic. That's what we are. I'll read a few statements here. The issue of the church is so dramatic and of such magnitude that Paul begins his letter, Ephesians 1, he begins it asking God for supernatural revelation and spiritual mindedness, right? Ephesians 1.17, he prays for the church before he even begins to talk about this profound identity and role of the church. God's eternal purpose, he says, I ain't saying a word until we pray for the Holy Spirit to enlighten your minds to discern this, to know this, to grasp this. Ephesians 1, he prays for supernatural revelation for the church. And again in Ephesians 3, right? He prays 
that we would have divine might, empowerment by the Holy Spirit, together corporately. It's a corporate prayer. You read it. He's praying that together we would have power to understand the love of God and the plan of God. That's amazing. He does it once and twice in Ephesians and again in Colossians 1. He opens his letter praying the very same thing with some different words. Praying for spiritual mindedness in the church that they have the spirit on them as corporate local churches together to grasp their role in this thing. It's amazing. We need the Holy Spirit for this. Major. And we, we need him because we need it growing, right? We need this in our soul, like leaven, affecting our lives, the way we think, the way we see our gathering, the way we see our weekly relationships, the way we relate to one another. Are we growing in love? Are we, are we getting over familiar familiarity with God and one another? Are we growing? Are we moving forward? It's real stuff. Ephesians 4, verse 1. So Paul explains this purpose in Ephesians 3. And Ephesians 4, verse 1. This is such a serious issue to Paul that the church is corporate and cosmic. Look what he says here. Therefore, after Ephesians 3, he says, Therefore, I beg you in Greek language. This is serious. I beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. I implore you, I plead with you, I beg you. And then in Ephesians 4, he goes on to talk about what he means by walking in a manner worthy, right? He goes on in Ephesians 4 to talk about our corporate life together, right? Specific leaders in gift sets in abilities that God has given to people for the development of our life together so that we can express this purpose. So Ephesians 4 is inseparable from Ephesians 3. And this is, this is major for the prayer movement, right? Because for most of my Christian life, without knowing it, sincerely bent on loving prayer and intercession and worship and creating that environment, being in that environment, predominantly my idea for most of those years was that we just shout and yell and sing songs and release the anointing and prophesy, and, and we do that. So don't misunderstand me. But if that's all we do, the Bible says we are of absolutely no threat to the powers of the air and the strongholds over our region where God has placed us. So dealing with the powers of the air over the land isn't just instrumental, even if it's anointed. It's not just verbal ministry. We don't just deal with them by word. We deal with them in our deeds, predominantly and primarily, or else they won't be dealt with. That's what Ephesians 4 and 5 really is about, is the 
setting an order and establishment of local church family, right, which is what we're learning together and growing in. We're saying yes to it. Some of it's awkward at times, we know, right? Sometimes we're all silent in the room like, uh, can we just move on? I get this one. Well, we might get it in our heads, but until we get it corporately in our life together, we don't really get it. So that's why mulling through these 101s, right? What the Bible calls elementary is of utmost importance for every one of us because corporately we have to get it. In our lifestyle we have to get it or else we are of no threat to them. They will have dominion and rule over the land unless we become of an entirely different spirit than they are. That's serious, right? Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the ruler of demons, right? He's the ruler of all of those rebelled forces over our land that's holding multitudes in slavery and darkness, right? 2 Corinthians 10. He's blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel. How are they going to see the light of the gospel? It's this corporate reality. How will the world know that you are Christian? How will the world know that Jesus is Lord and he's seated at the right hand of God? Well, when we, want, when we love one another as he has loved us and we express his image and likeness in love and in power, when we, when we do the works he did, but not just the works he did, the deeds, the lifestyle, right? He is, Christ is the wisdom and power of God in 1 Corinthians 2. Paul says, we don't have another message of wisdom to bring to you. The, the wisdom we speak is Christ and him crucified because he's the wisdom and power of God. Here's the wisdom we're manifesting, his plan, his purpose, his nature. His image. Make sense? And I, I, I get it. We, we, we probably do get this, but this bears repeating, especially if we take note that God is really settling this spiritual family. He's settling us in life together in a totally, n- total another level. It's, it's profound. It's sobering. It's encouraging, but it's also like, my goodness, you, you take a step back and like, man, Lord, I... I want to be, I want to be lined up with you, you know, out from the heart. It's amazing. So Ephesians one, he begs the church to walk in a manner worthy. Says if they aren't, if they don't, if we fail to embrace and heed his teaching in Ephesians four and five, Paul knows that this Ephesians three ten role of the church ain't happening. So he's pleading with the church to take heed to Ephesians 4 and 5 and elsewhere in his writings. Awesome. How much time do I have left? Two minutes? Five, ten? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's a total paradigm shift, and it, and it takes work. It takes time. It takes growing intentionally in this. In, in beginning, when we come here, to put that mind on, put on the mind of Christ, right? To put on that mindset when I walk through this door and understand, okay, Lord, you are 
setting in order and establishing a local church of which I'm a member and I'm stepping foot into this and and really never stepping foot out of it, but you get what I mean to come here. Okay, I want to put that mind on because it gets really, really nitty gritty like this. It gets serious on a heart level and on a perspective level for me to properly function here, for you to properly function here, right? Each individual member properly properly function. So when I come here, say, okay, this is a, a local church family. You are setting it in order and establishing it. So there's requirements on me. Here they are. <laughs> and, and I want to take heed to them in love, in humility, and in sincerity because there was a time where I didn't. And that caused grief. Another story for another time. But when we come here not being familiar with God or what was, right? Not being familiar with one another. Real serious. Real serious. Because if I'm familiar with you and you're familiar with me, I, I can't give grace to you because I'm familiar with you and I, I know you. I know who you are. And that's just the end of the story. I, I know you. I get it. We hang out, right? doesn't work that way. That's familiarity. And I think that's something that we're going to continue to grow in where I see and you see each and every one of us by the Spirit the way Jesus sees. Where I may hang out with Kale and drink lots of polar, right? Eat, good, eat some good food. He's a good cook. But he's more than buddy. And you're more than my buddy. And I'm more than your buddy. Right? We are buds. And we can joke around and be maiming. And if Jay were here, I'd crack a couple jokes right now. But, but there's a regard for one another that is of utmost importance as God establishes us and sets us in order. There's a regard for one another. It, and I'd call it a regard for the holy. Each and every one of us, not just leaders, every member of this body, of this spiritual family is to be regarded because Jesus regarded them on the cross. That's why. Because he paid a high price for each and every one of us and planted divine destiny. And 1 Corinthians 14 is in every human being. There's gifts given. When he ascended, he gave gifts to people. So, so I have to regard Renee more than Bud Bud. And often, you know, I, I, we we joke. I call I call Renee May. I call her Nana. I call her Nainer the Nainer. But but she's more than that, right? She has anointing, call, role, vital grace. And so I you know I want to grow in that regarding the holy, re not being familiar. You know we can do both, but if you can't, then then I'd do the other. <laughs> you know, but we c it's kind of like being at work, right? I run a business. I'm the kind of guy I want to have fun and work, but not everyone can do that. You know, it's it's a fine line. I've had people who couldn't do it, right? But I like to have fun and work. So we can have fun and labor together and regard one another and run together and esteem one another, right? Prefer one another and, and really cheer one another on in those specific spiritual gifts and callings on our lives. Because, again, if we're familiar, 
We won't do that. We'll quench the spirit with our familiarity. We'll quench the spirit in people's lives with our familiarity. So when, when we regard what's in one another, we can appeal to it. And we can start to relate to people on that level so that it allows them and enables them to walk in that more so. Right? It's hard when if someone's, we've all been through it, if someone's really familiar with you and God starts to do a new work in your life, it's a challenge on both ends. It's a challenge because you got to be obedient and walk in something new. And, and God divides your soul and spirit in that, right? Where it's like, all right, that's who you were, but I'm calling you to be a little more in this season. He's saying that to all of us, by the way. And it is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for you to walk in the new. And it's uncomfortable for other people because you start to relate to them differently, maybe. And it's not cheesy or fake. It's just what he's doing in our midst, right? So there's, I, I feel, you know, there's some of that going on, and I just, just pointing it out. Let's let's grow in that. Let's ask the Lord, Lord, am I seeing every member of the body as you see them? Am I learning to relate to them on the level that you would if you were here? Am I esteeming what's in them? Am I stimulating, right? Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Don't be familiar. See one another by the Spirit. From now on, Paul says, we don't even recognize anyone in the flesh. Because if I recognize you in the flesh, I'm going to sell you short. And then you might sell yourself short. That's tragic. Right? If I don't recognize you by the flesh, who you were in the flesh, and I really say, I'm not, I refuse to be familiar with, I just used Renee again. I refuse to be that familiar with Renee. I don't want to do that. Lord, I want to see who you've called her to be and relate to her on that level and honor that in her so that she doesn't feel quenched by the way I talk to her or relate to her. Does that make sense? I know I'm mulling this, but this is important stuff. Very important stuff. Awesome. Okay. I'll end here because you gave me five minutes, ten minutes ago. Okay. I'm going to end here, and then if the Lord permits another time, it ain't over. So I want to ask a few questions that I've been – you know, some of these questions I've asked myself, some of them I haven't, but I came up with them. Is as we're growing on Wednesday nights, some of these questions may arise in your heart, in your mind. I know they did me. Some of them still do. So, in relation to the corporate reality of our life together, so here's another breakdown of corporate. So, corporate is the earthly Classical dimension of church. Cosmic is the eternal spiritual dimension of church. So this earthly practical dimension of church that we're growing in together, mulling over, wrestling through, here's some questions. Why, and I I ask this a million times, I I kicked against some of this stuff (laughs) more so in the past, but why the elementary principles? I get it. I know where to find it. I have a good grasp on the scriptures. I, I know where it is. But that's not the end of the story. And I believe many of us in the room, that's true. That's very true. There's incredible knowledge of the scriptures in this room. The bigger issue is conceptually we get it, but corporately we're getting it. We're growing in something corporately, right? Why the elementary principles? Why rooted and grounded and established in the faith? Why the church set in order 
What remains? Why deacons and elders? Why release the gifts of the Spirit? Why discipleship? Why in Titus, rebuke, exhort, admonish? Why not just do church our own way? I wrestled through this huge. Why not just do church the way God leads you to do church? Right? Well, wrong, but right. <laughs> Jesus is building a church in Acts chapter 2 onwards. The church is born, and that's the church he started building. And we see each Wednesday night, we're going more and more. We're seeing how he built his church, how he started building his church. And that his plan hasn't changed. We've changed the way we do things, but he hasn't changed. He remains the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, brother. <laughs> it's serious. It, it's, it's also very encouraging because it's like, my God, the church he's building is right here, right? It's laid out for us the way he does it. So why not do church our own way? Because when the church is set in order and established, when each individual part of the body is working properly, and when we together are living worthy of our calling, then, and only then, can we have our corporate and cosmic effect. When we do it his way, when I do it his way, when I learn his way, and no matter how spirit-filled ministries can be and are, how spirit-led they are, there's a design here that's made plain. And it was kept secret, and it ain't no more. It's been revealed. What was kept secret has now been revealed. It's not a mystery anymore. We don't need special revelation to see it. It's written. It's canonized. It's the authoritative scripture. God, God breathed and inspired. Anyway, we could end on that note. So I just want to say, hey, this is such an amazing season, um, such an exciting time to see things happening that many of us have sought after, waited for, prayed for, believed God to do. It's happening. So do you see it? Do you feel it? If so, what are you doing about it? Is the whole, what's the Holy Spirit doing in your heart in this season? Is he, is he doing work in your heart? Is he speaking to you? Is he challenging you? Is he encouraging you? Is he doing it all? I know he's doing it all in me. He's doing it all. And the last thing to end today would be Colossians 4.17. Are you taking heed to your ministry? Right? If each individual in a local church, has a specific grace gift, Ephesians 4, grace gift from Jesus that is to be utilized for the sake of the whole, right? Are you taking heed to your ministry? Are you saying, God, what is my place? What is my role? How can I function? I want to function. I want to contribute my life grace to my spiritual family. So we'll read this and we can end. So Colossians 4, verse 17. Paul is writing to the church and 
he tells the leader or leaders in Colossae, right? He says, hey, tell Archippus, is this guy's name. I wish my name was Archippus. This is a really cool statement. Think about this. He says, hey, that guy Archippus, he says, I want you to declare something over him. I want you to tell him something because he's got something on his life, okay? And he's not walking in it fully. And I want him to give everything he has to his local spiritual family. Say to Archippus, see that you discharge carefully the duties of the ministry and fulfill your stewardship, which you have received from the Lord. Take heed to the ministry, which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I just want to encourage us. If you've asked questions about that, don't. There's a grace gift in you. There's vital grace and functions you have to play right here in the coming days, right here. Boom. Take heed to it. He's called you. Amen. Real simple, I know, but, you know, I know this is, it's important to. Amen.